friends, this podcast is supported by Viator. With over 300,000 plus experiences across 2,500 destinations in a variety of categories, ranging from walking tours and cooking classes to multi-day excursions and helicopter tours, follow my link in the descriptions to get the perks and the discounts. Also supported by Maud, a modern intimacy, modern sexual wellness company built on quality, simplicity, and inclusivity. They're on a mission to make intimacy better for all of us people. Use my unique promo code AliciaE10 and get 10% off your purchases at the checkout. Also, never run out of clothes to wear. Use the link in my description for a discount on your membership for Rent the Runway. Support me in building the personal libraries for young readers in Houston. My link in the description will help you and lead you to donate for our book drive. Don't hesitate. See you there. Welcome back to the Vice by Alicia podcast, a lifestyle show that helps women 40 plus with lifestyle tips to enjoy their 40s to the max through education, conversations, and inspiring interviews. This podcast was designed for you to empower you and all of my 40-plus women to get out there and become the baddest of them all. So today is our mid-season gap best, and of course, I have my amazing producer, Jamal. Jamal. What up? <laughs> so Jamal and I have been doing our mid-season gap best for a few seasons now. I think maybe this is our fourth season now. Where we do our gap fest, yeah, right? Third or fourth. Third or fourth. Yeah, something <clears throat> like that. And our gap fest is just a way for us to talk about all the hot topics, everything that's kind of like percolating out in the social media, in the ethos, in TV, in movies, um, in the Twitter world. Are you on Twitter, Jamal, by the way? I am on Twitter. Oh, I didn't. I, I wasn't sure. That's so. about the only way I know what's even happening. Are you still on Twitter even after Elon Musk took over? I unfortunately, oh, but it's, it's kind of like watching <laughs> the train crash in slow motion, right? Because it is just it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, and I, no, that's what I keep hearing. But honestly, after Elon Musk took over Twitter, I really started getting like more like um, what is it curated content about mm. business and real estate, and like it really became better for me to be honest. With I mean, you. that's kind of where that kind of social media like went once they saw the writing on the wall for Twitter. Yeah, where it's like, hey, you can just contact this company on Twitter, and they will, um, you know, they'll just talk to you directly from there but then yeah. they realized twitter was not reliable so then they're like you know what we're just gonna make our own thing and it's like whatever newsletter or yes. like whatever like individual platform it's, it's interesting the internet's kind of going back to how it was back in the old days yeah 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 where you had like little <laughs> fiefdoms, like you didn't have mega websites you yeah. just had like little websites that you would go to for particular things when for the last like 10, 15 years, we've just been going to like these hubs of like, this is Facebook. You do yeah. everything on Facebook. Yeah. Here's Instagram, everything on Instagram. Here's Twitter. And then like your news aggregate websites. I can go on and on about all this stuff. So, no, and please do so. <laughs> um, 
Jamal is my producer, you guys. If you are just tuning in and you haven't been a part of this podcast for the last three and a half years, Jamal Jones has been my producer. He's been a photographer for me. He's doing he's been doing content for me. Um I think we started our relationship when you kind of like got going on like um my flat lace. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> when you were still day. doing the store stuff. And <laughs> when I, I was still at my store. Yeah, and that, just... was, that was a great experience. <laughs> I learned a lot of product photography. You I did, think. and your flat lays are, like, amazing. It took a I while. Just... You, you didn't like them. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? no, 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 no. They got better as yeah, they went along. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to give my feedback. Yeah. But it's, we, you're, we good. you're good. You're good. You're good. You're an amazing photographer and definitely someone that creates amazing beautiful content and someone that like um you guys have seen a lot of my photography you will see that that's a lot of um jamal and so for today we're doing our mid-season gap fest and it's something that we do right in the middle right at uh episode six because um our episodes are our seasons and the whole season is a uh, 12 episode season so episode six is where we do our little mid-season gap fest. And it's just like the hot topics for the day. Kind of like The View does the hot topics. We do a little hot topic thing too. Just need like a little break in the middle of the <laughs> a season. A little break. A little fun break. Check in with the world and what's right. going on. Yeah. Exactly. And so today I am going to be starting this gap fest with Tina Turner. Rest in peace. Uh, and Tina Turner was just kind of the icon for my generation, Generation X. She was such an um, an influence, an icon, a woman to just aspire to be. She was sexy. She was beautiful. She was powerful. And someone you kind of just look to for um, inspiration and motivation, to be honest, as a woman. I'm I am a, a baby. I missed all the Tina Turner stuff. Are you millennial? I am a millennial. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No you know that we have that little age gap and it is <laughs> it is showing. Jamal, how old are you? 34. I'm okay, I'm going to be 40. Are you going you just turned 34? I'm going to be February. 48. I'm going to mm. be 48 in July. Ooh. So that means yeah, you're definitely a millennial. Years apart. <laughs> So yeah, and we were discussing this a little bit earlier, but like I feel like the <laughs> Tina Turner stuff hit a little differently for people oh, for sure. my age and younger because a lot of what Tina Turner was for us was from uh, the movie, which I also haven't seen. What, what, what was the movie called? Um, yeah, what's yeah. love what's, got to do? What's love it? got to do with Angela Bassett? Yeah, so a lot of people a know actress. Yeah, so a lot of people know the Tina Turner stuff from that. And people like making jokes over the last 20, 30 years about the domestic right. abuse that she went through. She endured. Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And it still persisted even like after she died. A lot of people were posting jokes on Twitter about, you know, what she went through. And then people had to point out like, that's, yeah, it's not okay. She, she really went through it. And I don't think I know right. the exact extent right, right. of that. No, it's like kind of like uh, learning that the artists of today were somebody back then. Like, for example, when I was a young girl in the 1980s, 1990s, my dad introduced me to the Beatles. 
And the Beatles were, were actually a band that was out in the 50s and 60s. But because I was a daughter of someone that admired the Beatles and loved the Beatles and learned to speak English through the Beatles, it became sort of like a like a connection for me and my father. So whenever I listen to the Beatles music, I think about my dad. I don't think about the Beatles. I think about him because he introduced me to the Beatles. So I think a lot of the music and the musicians that came later, probably in the 80s and 90s, have an impact on the younger generation because I think they just stood for something different in different generations. Like for me, Tina, as a Gen Xer, she was the comeback girl. She was the girl that we saw go through hell and come back, you know, triumphant. She really, like, had to start over yeah. from the bottom. Basically, right. Up. Yeah. And so uh, so she broke up with Ike, her husband, her, her abusive husband, Ike Turner, in 1976 before she resumed her career as a solo act in Las Vegas and in disco clubs. The following decade, the 1984 private dancer album, Tina became a re-emerging multi-platinum smash. She attained superstardom in the 1980s, and it surpassed everything that she had achieved with her ex-husband, Ike. So I think that's where we come from, like, you know, those, those, those eras of Tina being abused by Ike Turner, her ex-husband, and then becoming a triumphant um story of success of of uh resilience of coming through domestic violence um you know a lot of verbal abuse that she went with him but i think for us in terms of like who she was and the tribute that i want to give to her as a gen xer is she was that woman that inspired us to just live life to the fullest if any of us watch a Tina Turner video, you will remind yourself of her vitality, of her eccentricity, her clothing, her outfits, her legs, the way she danced, the way she just approached the stage in such a exuberant way that you hadn't seen before. I mean, it's probably seen maybe with Madonna, maybe with Whitney Houston a little bit, but Tina was on a whole level all by herself. Really selling me on uh, you like gotta go watching, back. <laughs> watching and uh, listening to Tina Turner stuff because I really don't have any uh, any experience with uh, Tina Turner. I think for for us, I think in terms of where she was in our generation, is she was the queen of like MTV back in the day when MTV just started in the nineteen eighties. Um, uh, I was born in 1975, so I was probably like seven, eight years old when I really started getting to MTV. And she was the queen of MTV because um, before that, she was the wife of Ike Turner and she was kind of under the auspices of her husband. But when she became Tina Turner, which, by the way, she negotiated with her husband to keep the name because she was not born Tina Turner. Right. Her name was very, very different. She became Tina Turner after her husband gave her the name. She became sort of like the darling of MTV, which was launched launched in 1981. It was very visual. It was all videos. It was all, you know, beautifully set. Back when to her MTV music. was still yeah. about music. When it was still and about not music. trash reality no, TV. No, it wasn't. It was all about the music. She gotcha. was playing smaller venues. 
because after she broke up with her husband, after she left her husband, who was abusive, she, you know, went on to become a solo career. She asked for her name. All she asked for, she didn't want anything from Ike Turner. She just said she wanted her name. She wanted Tina Turner. She wanted that name to continue. She... Um, play, she played in smaller Venice, Ven, Vegas venues. She was um, touring abroad. She appeared on TV shows. She was doing some recordings. But I think the biggest, biggest thing for her was when she was able to um, land some high-profile gigs with Rod Stewart and with the Stones. And I don't know if a lot of people know about know about this but tina turner was known as the r&b motown girl she didn't become rock and roll until she associated herself with the rolling stones and with like david bowie did you know about that not at all i know so a british synthoff pioneer martin ware was his name he helped launch tina turner when she went out and sought him for the comeback the 80s comeback she didn't have much to go with, but a lot of people said, you are like rock and roll. You have that spirit. You have that vibe. She was sexy. She was fun. She was boisterous on stage. You know how a lot of those artists, you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen like a Rolling Stones concert, but they're like, <laughs> not at all. Are you such a millennial? What are you, Gen Z or what? You know, all uh, I know of the Rolling Stones was they had a couple songs in Guitar Hero. So that's pretty much <laughs> Painted black. I love that song. You're such a that baby. song, yeah. I don't know. So, Old so people. no. So she sought out all of these rock and roll artists because she knew she was a part of it. And they said, "Well, you know what? If you come back as a rock and roll um, woman, we can definitely give you some uh, platform." And that's how she did. She did. She sought out a lot of these rock and roll artists, and she became quite the rock and roll girl. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand about her, don't see about her. And that's how she kind of became Tina Turner. Um, she created new new choreography. She found new producers. She had always worked with the same producer her whole life, which was her husband, Ike Turner. And at this point, she had to become a new person. So her comeback was completely different. She um, re- reconstructed her image. Um, I don't know if you remember, but... Her skirts got got shorter. Um, people started to notice that she was uh, like sex on the stage. Yeah, about all I know about Tina Turner and like when she was performing was like the kind of just over the top uh, performances that she did and like the wild hair and just going nuts on stage like that. That's really the only context for Tina Turner that I have. Yeah, but but if you go back before her history, she was very much controlled by her husband. So right. it was a very her brand was very controlled. Everything that she did was controlled. Um, every movement that she made, every person that she collaborated with was controlled. So when she broke up with her husband, who was very abusive, not only physical but also verbal abusive, and she decided that she wanted to go out on her own. She became her own person. She really came into her own self. And she was explosive. Like, her concerts were explosive. She danced to the max. Um, Her outfits were tiny. They were sensual. They were cute. She had the most amazing body for, like, a 40, 50-year-old woman. 
Right, um, she was and, older. And back in the style. day, like yeah. you saw for a fifty-year-old woman dressed the way she dressed, you were right. like, "What is she doing?" Like, did, did, it didn't seem it's, right. Yeah. Nowadays, it seems very natural and very normal. You see a fifty-year-old, sixty-year-old woman with like a crazy-ass beautiful body. Which, by the way, recently Martha Stewart came out with a, a uh, she like seventy-eight a or something. Sports Illustrated. I think she's eighty now. Eighty. Yeah. A Sports wow. Illustrated issue in her bikini and looking gorgeous and amazing i think it just kind of takes you back to those times that the women back then they weren't considered like sex symbols if you were past 50 or past 40 at that time really yeah and past, past in 2023 like you know you see women now and you see madonna or you see um women in their 50s oh i was what? like i don't know if madonna's a good example <laughs> no but she is still doing her thing and she's yeah. like in her 60s yeah but okay like, jamal are well no what, 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 didn't what? we also talk about this about like when she yeah, was on she um, did a whole facelift yeah the facelift <laughs> she's getting bbls and stuff and she's like I know. You know, like yeah. I get that she still wants to like live the life, but at some point you kind of gotta live it, let it go a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know if they want to let it go so much, as opposed to like they just want to stay alive and stay relevant stay for the community. And, yeah. I think if you were to go back and listen to Madonna's music, even today in 2023, you can still find some relativity. You can still find something that you're gonna love and enjoy, and dance to. I mean, like, was it? Maybe it was her last album, like the one time she performed at the Super Bowl, which I think was about 10-ish years ago. And uh, that is that is most of the, the current Madonna that I know. But that song went over well. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was 2011. So yeah. I think what I'm trying to say is like women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they're, they are not um, has-beens. They are still reinventing themselves. They're still becoming something. They're still developing a audience for themselves. And I think even young people nowadays can still go back and listen to Madonna or Tina Turner and be like, oh, I relate to this. This is amazing. This is something that I can feel a attracted to or attached to. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well i mean like like what i the thing that i think about and like i'm just a wrestling fan yeah. so i like think about uh wrestling oh you mean like cindy lopper back in the day well i mean i mean yeah cindy lopper was a part of wrestlemania and stuff but uh in wrestling basically once in the old days nowadays not so much but like before once mm -hmm. you were past 25 you were done <laughs> like your career was like over and i feel like that was the case for a lot of women in entertainment mm -hmm. um, where it's like once they pass like 30 or 40, then they weren't, you know, uh, seen as uh, valued or, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. they're like, oh, you're old news. And then we got to usher in the next, you know. No, and I can see that as, as something that was like um, conveyed in media or maybe something that was put out with, you know, PR, the PR machine or whatever the news outlet said. But. If you turn on, if you go to a club nowadays, you go to a club in 2023, you're going to hear music from Madonna. You're going to hear music from Michael Jackson. You're going to hear music from Prince. You're going to hear Tina Turner because they are the people that transcend time. They really do. And maybe you're listening to the music in more of like a pumped up way because it's a club, but ultimately their music is just unique and it stands kind of on its own. Um, 
and I think what's happening nowadays is a lot of young people don't realize that um, that you still can look back at those eras, the 80s, maybe the 70s, the 60s, as a time that um, constructed and maybe builds upon what we have today. It was a start. Right. Just about everything. You know, it's funny. My dad would say that nothing good happened in the 80s. Especially like when it came really? to music, he he was not up. Was he? What was a, he a fan of? Like seventies and sixties? Yeah, seventies, sixties, yeah. and everything after that. But yeah. he's just like, ah, oh, the eighties was bad time for music. But that's when a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, began. Right. I yeah. mean, I can tell you right now, I'm a forty-seven year old woman, and I listen to my son's music. He's in his twenties. And I say to him, like, this is, like, what the hell are you listening to? And this is good for you guys? What? Oh, what? don't be a boomer. <laughs> I'm trying not to be a boomer. I'm a total Gen Xer. But I'm like, this music is crap. This is, like, so crappy. It has no beat. It has no rhythm. You can't dance to this. You're just, like, singing along to it. It's, it's just the style of the time. <laughs> it is the style of the times. And I'm. But I do believe that there are musicians such as Tina, such as Whitney, such as Madonna, such as Prince and Michael Jackson that transcend time. And the Beatles are a firm example of that because, honestly, I listened to the Beatles when I was 12 years old and I became just a huge fan of them. And it was, I didn't live through their their era. They had done everything they had done by 1970. I was born in 1975, so by the time I listened to them, it was 1985. They were done by then. Um, John Lennon was dead by that time, but their music affected me. But I think it affected me, number one, because it was my dad's music, because he, he told me that he loved it, and he was that was the way that he learned English, and he um, was obsessed with the Beatles. And number two was because their music was phenomenal, and I really did enjoy their music, and I really felt like their music inspired me and touched me and today i feel like you know if i'm going to share music with my kids is that's what i'm going to share i'm going to share the beatles music with my kids although they're you know little gen zers now i think yeah gen z is that what they are yeah gen z, z gen alpha whatever <laughs> gen alpha right yeah. um i don't think you ever disregard oh. their history no i mean it's yeah it's history like it's never gonna be I mean, for me, my my callback to that era is Michael Jackson. So yeah. it's like when like thinking about how big he was mm -hmm. when he was like on top of the world. There's like not very many people that can match that. Like maybe Beyonce, maybe Beyonce, <laughs> maybe Beyonce, yeah. but like not much uh, is matching that old, you know, uh, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Tina Turner. And so it's kind of like, yeah, Prince, Prince, the music of Prince. Yeah. So it's like with Tina now gone, it's I guess it's a signaling of an end of an era. Right. It's all of right. like those people. They're now gone. Right. Every single one of them, actually. Uh, right. Tina. Well, Madonna's still around, but Tina. She's still around. But you know who I, I, I thought about the other day was Dolly Parton. Yeah, because she's Dolly is also a woman of that time era of, mm. of of a bygone era where we just sort of like thought she would always live forever, but she's not going to live forever. She's definitely up there. In yeah, her isn't age. she in her 80s or something, too. And she's leaving music behind that's in, that's so 
um, inspirational and touched a lot of people's lives. And she's the one who who had that first song that Whitney Houston just made super famous. Um, can't think of the name right now. I will always love you. And the just just you know artists like Dolly, artists like Dolly, artists that are out there still alive that you think, gosh. When they are gone, it's all gone. The end of an era, for sure. Yeah. So, continuing our gap fast, we're talking about things that are um, hot right now and the hot topics that are going on right now. And the next topic that I want to talk about, Jamal, is a topic that just, just honestly just drives me crazy. And it's the Target boycott on on Pride Month. Not Target. <laughs> Target loses ten billion dollars in ten days. The retailer has plummeted from seventy four point three billion market value to to sixty four point two in the wake of customer boycotts over the Pride collection featuring tuck friendly swimsuits, LGBT baby wear, and design collaborations. With the Satanist. <laughs> and I'm cracking up over that Hail word because it's the funniest. <laughs> it's the funniest oh, thing boy. ever. Why why do I think it's so funny? Because honestly. I mean, you're not a fan of religion in general. <laughs> no, not so, at all. But absolutely not. I'm not a religious person at all. I don't even believe in God or Satan. So this to me cracks me up. So it really kind of like makes me wonder why this is such a big deal, Jamal. It's, Help me I out. Mean, I'm beyond <laughs> the Satan and stuff, because like uh, if you ever if you ever actually do research, uh, yeah. the people that call themselves Satanists are like very nice. They're not doing uh freaking uh like blood uh sacrifices or anything <laughs> they're yeah, they're, yeah. they're just normal people and they're actually just advocating for less religion their religion is no religion but, right no religion but mm-hmm. um other than that the the whole lgbtq stuff and how target back down from that is a real it's it's disappointing like how they kind of caved to pressure because I was reading the stories and they yeah. were, you know, basically once they got caught out on it in uh, these southern states, one of which that we call home, <laughs> they either took down their Pride Month stuff or they just moved it to a completely different area of the store and kind of just tried to downplay their involvement in it, which, you know, at this point, I just... Like, why? Like, yeah. We've gone so far to come back. From, no, but I come think, back to these I things. think the bigger picture is honestly that, I don't know why, but Christians or Christians in America feel that they are always ostracized. I and don't they, understand yeah, why, because honestly, they're everywhere. Like, we have to be subjected to the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. We have to be subjected to them always talking about it in, in every possible way. If it's sports, if it's uh, the morning news, if you go to your school or somebody's like deciding, oh, let's just do a little prayer, like... That is subjecting your Christian values on other people as well. And I don't 
I don't remember one time that I ever said, hold on, hold on. I'm not a Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. Stop your, your prayer right now. I'm not comfortable with it. I have never said that. Right. Because honestly, for me, it's like, okay, you want to do your prayer? Do your prayer. That is my moment to say thanks for what I have, to be thankful for everything around me. I'm not praying because I really don't believe that prayer is something that like actually helps. But if it helps other people, I am not the person that's going to say, stop it. But why are they so comfortable in coming into other spaces and saying, stop putting pride, you know, rainbows in Target? I don't like it. Rules for thee and not for me. But (laughs) I don't get it. What is it hurting? Uh, Because our nation is becoming this perverted, just, uh, what's the word? Secular, degenerate. But we've always been secular, Jamal. Uh, according to the Christians, <laughs> like no, no, this the is, founders made it a secular nation. A the founders were very nation. clear that it was separation of church and state. Yeah, but we're getting further and further away from that. And like, why is that affecting them, though? If they want to raise their kids to be good little Christian kids, how does that affect? Because them? they want to spread the gospel. <laughs> it's like that. That's really it. It's like no, we, I really need somebody to explain this to me because I don't understand it. I don't get. Because, yeah, the I mean, rage. a lot of it is like spreading the gospel, securing your place in heaven and, uh, you know, and, you know, standing by the Bible, which has a lot of rules that yeah. applied to uh, 2000 year old cultures that have no relevance to today. Yeah. But, and you know, like there's a lot of hypocrisy there. I used to go to church a lot and I fell out of it for a lot of different reasons. but. A lot of it was the hypocrisy, like some some verses mean more than others. Meanwhile, in Leviticus, it's definitely says you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. eating crab. You're not supposed to have tattoos. Right. You're, you know, don't lay with a woman when she's on her period and mm-hmm. all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just uh, forget about that or like, oh, well, in the New Testament, Jesus made all that okay. So the old stuff doesn't matter anymore. But also they will go by the same Old Testament rule yeah. that's also in Leviticus. You know, uh, a man shall not lie with another man like a woman or whatever mm-hmm. in terms of the LGBTQ Homosexuality, stuff. yeah. Yeah, and they've like taken that to mean a homosexual, like uh, against homosexuality when it wasn't, that's not necessarily the case. And I mean, there's a whole history lesson I can go in on. No, and I and I think the history lesson needs to be taught, needs to be spoken about because, you know, honestly, for me, when I was 19 years old, I just came to the conclusion that I didn't believe in any of that. Even though I was raised a Catholic girl and I was raised um, to believe in God, I, I just read so much. I just learned so much. I went into like, huge research period in my life from 19 to 21 to 23 that I, and even after I was married at 25, when I got married, I got married in the Catholic church because that was something that made my parents happen. Yeah. Yeah, It made my parent, my mom and my dad happy. And it made his mom happy because she was, uh, she was raised in the Catholic church. So that, you know, you just kind of like feel like you're born into a religion because that's what your parents brought you into. And when I got married and I was, um, you know, doubting because I was a doubter for so many years and I just decided that I just could not believe this, this, this uh, rhetoric or this 
want to call it nonsense because I don't ah, want to disrespect you're, people. You're, you're there, yeah. <laughs> I don't, ah, I'm not wanting so to disrespect anybody, but so I'm just going to say, um, what is it? The the dogma. I did not believe in the dogma. I could not, I could not in good faith get myself around the dogma and believe a lot of the things that were spewed, whether they were Christian, Catholic, it didn't matter, all of it. Um, I just, just went through a period of like complete deconstruction and I came out of it just feeling so happy tomorrow and just so free. And it's something that I don't talk about and I never talk about this topic. You know why? Because I do not want people inviting me to their church. Because that's the first thing they do. <laughs> yeah, they want to hug you and they say, we yeah. love you. You know what? Why don't you just come to our church and, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And hear I, the no, word No, it's of this the whole Lord. thing. I feel so sorry for you. You must be so sad and so depressed. And I'm completely none of those things. I'm actually quite happy and quite um, alerted to everything that's going on in my world. Yeah, it's a whole thing about uh, faith. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's, I mean, faith, at least this kind of faith yeah, really means that you have to uh, put aside some other beliefs and just. No, like, you have put, to put aside reason. And reason. That's what I meant. <laughs> and logic. Like, yeah. You really do. Because if you look at it in a logic way, it's like, it doesn't make sense. If you look at it in a reasonable way, it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of the human existence is trying to search for meaning yeah. in a world that doesn't make sense because even like thinking of uh, stuff like uh, the Big Bang. Yeah. So if you, if you believe that the Big Bang happened, which is the, you know, running theory that is what happened mm -hmm. and started mm -hmm. the universe, it's just like one day there was just a massive explosion out of nothing. It's like, well, why did that explosion happen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> was there a reason for it? No, Not and people want an explanation. Everybody right. wants to have an explanation for it. Everybody wants to know why what happens after you die. Right. And I we get don't that. Have that. Any and we don't have an answer because we don't have anybody that comes after their death and says, oh, if this is what I see. This is what happens. You actually meet God. Because a lot of it is just not true. It's right. just a a cognitive story that they create for themselves to make themselves feel better and to make sense of of the world yeah of the world yeah. and the potential just like <laughs> non-existence of death if we're going that route yeah like, yeah like so, people don't remember what it's like before they were born yeah in of which course. it might be the same after you die it's just you didn't exist yeah yeah but but the hate that comes from christian groups the boycott that comes from Christian groups is so antithetical to what America really was built upon to be the 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 salvation for those people that did not want to be, you know, consumed by the Puritanicals, by the Anglican Church, by by the Lutheran Church. Of course, we were we were settled by 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 those groups, but at the same time, it was a place to get away from it. You know what I'm saying? Um. You know what I learned recently? So, I mean, like, yeah, we all heard the the stories of the uh, the the pilgrims, and you know, they yes. came to escape from religious persecution. But part of the reason they came to escape from religious persecution was because uh, 
they were just the crazy out there yeah. people. They were the outcasts. They were like the actual outcasts, yeah. but they were like believing really crazy stuff. Yes. And then that stuff has now persisted in our it culture still persists. for so yeah. long, which is why we have some of the things of just being so uh, PC, maybe? No, not PC. We, we we get the ick uh for for nudity and sexuality because we've like grown up to like be ashamed of yeah just actual natural like stuff. Heaven forbid you see a nipple on a, yeah. like, a woman yeah even when breastfeeding, which right. is a natural thing exactly. But you know, let's go watch the new terror murder movie five thousand. <laughs> Where just all sorts of unspeakable stuff is mm-hmm, happening on mm-hmm, screen, and mm-hmm. that is fine in a lot right. of societies. So, uh, yeah. No, we were we are a country. The United States of America was established by the the Puritans, by those ostracized people that everybody saw in England as the nuts, and they said, "Oh, if you think we're nuts, and we're gonna go to America, and we're gonna establish ourselves in America," and that's where they came. And little by little, they've established themselves in this country. And then the Christian right came came to existence in the 1980s with Ronald Reagan, and there's a lot of it's that that came came about. Reagan. It keeps coming back, <laughs> and it does come back because it, it it is. If you study the history, which by the way, you have to be self learned in this. You cannot expect for the school system to teach you about this. This is something that you have to learn yourself. You've got to go to the library. You've got to go to Google. You've got to find all this information on your own because you're not going to get it from a regular school system. Absolutely never. I mean, ever. I, I get all of my information from American, American Patriot First stuck. So, you know, I don't know if that's what. <laughs> I, I, the I don't internet know. is free. Yeah. You can just look up anything and people will believe so, it. So, Honestly, there's like there's no excuse why you are still believing a lot of that. Okay, I'm not gonna say it. Uh, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it. I'm all of that. But um, and there is a history in this country. The colon the the colonizing. The you know one of the things when I was 19 years old. You know what I learned when the Spaniards came to Mexico and they burned all of the codexes of the Mayans and their history and they decided to put all of them in one pile and burn them because they were against the Bible to me that was like the the creator that was the 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 deciding factor for me to be like oh never again am I gonna believe this bullshit because you decided that one day you didn't like the fact that the Mayans had recorded history in their way in their sense of the humanity of their time and you burned it because you didn't find it to be biblical. Absolutely. At that moment, it created a a schism in my heart and in my life. And I never fucking went back. And what I did is I went and learned again about the Mayans, about the Essex. And so my, my way of belief is very earth-based because I find myself attaching myself to the natives of the country and the natives the natives of Mexico and the natives of the United States because to me that is something that relates to me so much more the the relationship with the sun with the moon with the stars with the earth with loving the earth so much that you protect it against everything and everybody when do you see Christians ever saying they're going to protect the earth against anything and everything? I mean, you know. No, because life is outside of earth. Life is in heaven. Life is oh, supernatural. I, I was a whole other answer of like 
Well, because to to Christians, the earth is made to be ruled over by humans and to like, you know, dis not necessarily disrespect, but like, you know, just take advantage of the land, the animals and everything for uh the sake of humanity, yeah. which is a very selfish and just not forward thinking way is why we're heading for uh climate change and all yeah. these other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to bring everything back to Tarjay and their uh, LGBTQ stance, they they effed up. <laughs> um, there, yeah, there was an article that you shared that uh, Ted Cruz was saying it was going to be a lot harder to boycott uh, Target because yeah, uh, it's not like Anheuser Busch because you can just go and buy a yeah Coors another beer and, yeah a different which is beer. also funny because most of the beer in the country is owned by Anheuser Busch it's just under a different name ah uh, interesting so, so a lot of the alternatives they're Fun going fact. for it, it's still the same company you're still as yeah. I know I know and and, and honestly when <laughs> when Ted Cruz says something do you actually even like listen to what he's saying because he's so full of shit most of the time that yeah I hear what you're saying of course the Enhouser Bush thing is different because you can always go to a different beer you can always say hey give me a course I don't want a Bud Light like fuck Bud Light I want the course um but when it comes to for example Target it is a place where people go shopping they get their groceries they get their food they get all of their cool interesting things i go there for makeup all the time i get my creams at target i maybe not shop there as much as any other place but i'm definitely getting like specialty items at target when i was getting my lounge my 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 podcast lounge going i went to target because they have cool interesting aesthetics their their designers are unique they're different they're um they have color it's vibrant it's not expensive it's actually quite cool and amazing I have a new, uh, and so I have like different things, different motifs in my, in my, in my lunch, in my lounge now that represent me better. And I think Target has a lot to do with that. Um, And I just want to close out this part with this one comment this mother made on one of those posts. And I don't know if it was TikTok or it was Instagram. And she said, I will never buy from Target ever again because how dare they, you know, um, try to get my children to believe in cults and Satanism. And I'm like, if your kids are believing in Satan or cults, that's your problem as a mother. That isn't Target's problem. You did not raise your kids correctly because my kids, honestly, my kids are not raised with any religion. My kids are not raised with any um, predisposed notions of like, babe, I was raised Catholic. You have to go to Catholic school and you got to do everything like the Catholic, but whatever. Absolutely not. My kids are not going to fall for that shit. You know why? Because they just don't fall for any of that shit. So why is she so consumed and so worried that her kids are going to go for Satan because Target put out a T-shirt. Because they've been exposed to rainbows, and that is uh, gay propaganda, and they're going to grow up to become sexual perverts in their eyes. And to so. me, honestly, Jamal, if that's your problem, then that's a mom problem. That's not a Target problem. That is you raising your kids' problem. That's not a Target problem. Because my kids are definitely not going to go to Target and find a T-shirt and believe in Satan. (laughs) 
And my kids have been raised by a mother that doesn't believe in anything and just says to them, go be you who you are, my babies. If eventually they decide they want to join a church, that's their prerogative and that's their choice. I didn't bring them up forced in a church or forced in a religion. If my little one says, mom, I, I'm attracted to Islam. And that's my son's choice because at 17, 18 years old, he made that decision to join Islam, to join the Pentecostal church, whatever church they want to join. I don't care. I did not bring you up to become me. You are you. Yeah, some people don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> so that takes me back to a show that I want to recommend to everybody, and it's a Hulu documentary called The Hillsong. <laughs> I'm talking about church because I'm all into churches yeah, and cults. It's ahead. called um, Hillsong, a mega church exposed, and it's about the Hillsong Church, you know, that big mega church in, uh, in New York. Um, huge celebrity beloved church like it was like justin bieber all the crazy uh celebrities were right, all up right. in there yeah the celebrities all up in that jam uh you know go watch it because then you'll see how these um pastors actually go from like the top to the bottom because honestly they don't have a leg to stand on it's about that guy the carl lentz guy Brian Houston, it's a Pentecostal church. And there's a lot of really good info on how they use money, how they're grifters, how they use the tax exemptions for their benefit. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Go back and look at that. It's on Hulu, and it's such a good show. It's probably just four episodes, but it's just such a good thing to watch. And open your eyes. Don't close your eyes. You're not going against anyone if you decide to change your mind. And you're not all up on the church that your mom and your dad raised you to be. Um, and it's okay. There's a lot of us out there that do not follow what our parents wanted us to follow. I mean, in general, I think these are just shows that are trying to bring accountability to the church when they're not um taxed or really regulated at all because they're religious in institutions but then when you like look at the underbelly there's a lot of corruption yeah. there's a lot of shady deals that are happening all in the name of of god yes. which that is also yeah like tragic and it's tragic because you know what it is it's gaslighting people like w when I was going to a mega church, I wanted to think that everything, all the money that they were raising was going to like good causes because they were doing, you know, making community centers, making, yeah. you know, trying to get to people, even like just, uh, you know, ha uh, converting people and having them have faith so they can, you know, either believe in themselves or just hang on for another day. Like, I thought that was a net positive. Yeah. But it's just, at the end of the day, they there needs to be more eyes on this because they go way out of control in terms of, of the money and yeah. the the level of corruption. And, you know, there's there's that Bible quote... <laughs> Uh -huh. of the the rich the parable of like the rich person something something can't go through eye of a needle um yeah i think it's like a rich person has a better chance of getting into heaven than they do uh going through an eye of a needle something like that mm -hmm. which is essentially it's like if you're like uh horribly rich you have no chance of getting into heaven because you've 
basically hoarded all your wealth. And so like to uh to disregard yeah. that message of, yeah, for of sure. Jesus in the New Testament, if you if you claim to be one of Jesus's followers, like why are you not doing better with accountability, yeah. with funds yeah. and your money? Because yeah, like I don't know about Hillsong. All I can think of are the Joel Osteens of the yeah, world. Yeah, it's it's very much the same. Uh, very much the Kenneth same. Kenneth Copeland. Yeah, Kenneth Copeland. Bishop T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes, Ooh, yeah. What's the name of the other one? The other lady, the other white lady, a white older lady. Oh, she yeah, reminds yeah, me yeah. so much of that I nonsense, too. Name, what is her I, name? I can't remember her name. But I, do, I do know who you're talking She's about. She's an older lady. I mean, I could just listen to her and, and listen and say, oh, my gosh, she's just full of crap. But but honestly, like if 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 we pay attention and we look at it closely, our eyes will be open. But I don't think a lot of people want to look at it very closely. I think it it scares people to look at it very closely because it's something you were raised with. And if you feel yeah. like you're going against something you were raised with or something your parents, um, you know, brought you up with, you may you feel like you're going against your parents wills. And you're going against your family. You're going against everything that people that you were brought up to be. So deconstruction is a very, very tough thing to go through, a very difficult thing to go through. But once you go through it, you realize how phenomenal, how fantastic life can be on the other side um, and how lovely life can really be when you don't have those const- constructs anymore on your head and in your mind anymore. And as a parent, you make a very decisive decision and very, very important decision that you decide how you're going to raise your own children, as opposed to how we were raised as ourselves, right? Like we were raised to be certain things because that's who our parents were. Well, what if you just decided that you weren't going to give your kids that same upbringing that you were brought into and just allow them to decide for themselves if they want to join a church, if they don't want to join a church? I don't know where my kids stand in that sense. And I'm okay with that. Like I am totally, absolutely okay with that. And if my kids ask me, mom, well, where do you stand? I will say, well, this is where I stand, honey, but it's your decision. If you want to follow or if you want to believe something, or if you want to go this route or that route, you know, they have that ability to think for themselves. Um, I don't know if that's new age thinking. I don't know if that is a, a new, newfound way of thinking of raising kids. I don't know if it's secular. I don't know if it's humanist. It could be probably, um, for me, it is just the right way to do it. I really find myself, even when I go home to my mom and she's always, um, thanking God for everything and like, thank you for this and thank you God for that. And I go, go with her and I go along with her because that's who she is. And I love her and I'm never going to hurt her. And I'm never going to say, mom, don't believe, don't think that way ever. Because that's how she is and it's who she was brought up to be. And I would never hurt her feelings or never hurt her. But I think one thing that my mother realizes about me is she can't impose that on me. And she won't. And she had, and she never has. And that's something that I appreciate so much about her. That I give her things and I kiss her so much. Because I say thank you for just allowing me to be who I am. And not forcing me to be who you think I should be. And that's where I want to close down this episode, Jamal. It's been a great episode. It's been deeper than I thought it was going to get. It did. It went places. It went wow. deeper than I thought it would ever be because I, I think that I um, I blurted out a lot more than I <laughs> wanted to. 
<laughs> but okay, whatever. If people, you know, if you, if you <laughs> keep listening, you guys, there's a lot of good stuff. Oh my God. Do we offend some people? Who knows? I hope not. I hope if I didn't offend, if I did offend you, I am sorry. Look at yourself and think about why it offended you. <laughs> but I am not imposing myself on you. I'm not telling you how to be or how to become or what to think. I am absolutely not doing that at all. And that's why I don't talk about this topic because I definitely do not want to be um, a spokesperson for anything or anyone. And, and, and the reason why I do keep a lot of this to myself is because I don't want people to tell me that I have to be a certain way either because that's just not going to work with me either. Um, but it's very respectful. It is full of love. It comes from a place of like a lot of um, thought um, my thought and my viewpoint comes from years and years of research and and reading and thinking things through. Um, it does not come at, at I'm 47, almost 48, just deciding one day to become. I was 19 years old when a lot of things started to change for me. So it's what, 19 to 49, the 30 years? Yeah. So... I am here to hear what you got to say. Leave me your comments. Jamal wants to know what you think. Jamal, you're the best ever, dude. Oh, stop. Yes. I'm no, you are. Doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do a damn good job because you're my producer. You do my editing and everything else. And, like, I'm so um, thankful for you. And um, somebody else I could not have this gap fest with. You are just my gap fest um, Appreciate collaborator. It. You're very welcome. <laughs> Happy to be here. So let us know what you think. And if you don't like what we have to say, honestly, guys, let us know. We really are absolutely open to everything and all the opinions. And if you believe what you believe, perfect. It's wonderful. It's lovely. And I'm not going to want to, I don't want to change your mind. I absolutely do not want to do that. Everybody comes from a different viewpoint and different backgrounds. And that's beautiful. And that's what I think is so amazing about being somebody you know agnostic is that you know we don't have any qualms with anyone at all and, and your thoughts are your thoughts and they're super respectful and i'm not going to go to target and like you know try to kill the target you know employee right. and like destroy the target um expo exposition because they decided to do something different like that's just that's just very antithesis of who we are so let us know what you're thinking. We can't wait. And this is our mid-season Gap Fest. Woo. Season 10, uh, episode 6. Jamal, it's season 10. Season 10. Dude, how do we get to season 10? Uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like time marches on. Go to our website, www.aliciaelatati.com. It is a new website. It is changing. It's all coming over to that. And um, I've got some really great courses on there. I can also help you set up your own podcast. Jamal is a fantastic producer and editor. If you ever need somebody to come and help you with that, let us know. That's what we're here for. Thank you, Jamal. Thanks. Thanks.